Another week of independent league baseball is in the books, and we're going to discuss it here, as well as some other news from around the world of independent league baseball, here on the Indie Ball Report Podcast. All right, back again. And, you know, I'm realizing again, we did our whole bit last week where I was like, we never introduced ourselves on the show, and then we actually didn't, which That's in right. hindsight was kind of stupid when you think about it. A little bit, but here we are. You know, so I, I suppose I should probably introduce ourselves, you know, because again, that would make a lot of sense, and would probably make it a lot easier to follow along with. It would. It would. Yeah. So I'm Nick. He's and James. I'm- this is the Indie Ball Report podcast. I cut him off, and that just kind of happens sometimes here. So we get used to it. <clears throat> These are true statements. These are true statements. Believe me, I'm <laughs> going to do at least twice more this show, and now I'm going to make a point to do that. So enough of the goofing around here. We actually do have some business to discuss this week. We got a brand new league starting up in the tri-state. We have a winner for the Ballpark Digest Indie Ballpark of the Year. We have uh, some updates from some other leagues, more of the lower tier leagues, but certainly worth covering nonetheless. And obviously, we have a lot of discussion on the American Association, which has been so far the major league that's playing. Obviously, there's uh, the Console Energy League or Constellation Energy League down in Sugarland. There's obviously the, uh, the the Juliet League that just started playing about yesterday or the day before yesterday. And then, of course, there's uh, the Washington Wild Thing League, too. To be quite honest, haven't been following those leagues terribly closely. And I think we're in agreement here that really our focus on more the the leagues that are more local to us as well as the more major independent leagues. Right. I mean, and I think that makes more more sense. There's a lot of these little leagues popping up because of the coronavirus and, you know, we can't spend all all show on all of them because we'll just run out of time or, or we'll just keep talking for four hours. And then, you know, nobody by the end of it, everybody will say, OK, that's enough. <laughs> exactly that. And also, it's just kind of hard to keep up with all of these leaks already as it is, even with just six teams playing in the American Association, uh, when half the games are at the same exact time every night. You can only really watch one at a time and kind of keep up the pace with everything there. So there's going to be some casualties to that. So I think uh, quality over quantity is the proper way of going about doing this. I agree entirely. Yep, And that's not to say that we won't check in with these other leagues at some other point. You know, maybe we'll pick a week when it gets real quiet in the association and we'll kind of go through everything or get some people on. You know, we'll we'll figure it out as we go along here. But the American Association is really where our... uh, our preference is look the problem is the other leagues just don't have a rally pickle so i'm just not interested exactly and chicago's needed that rally pickle as of late and we'll just kind of jump right in with it on that note because chicago uh their bats have stayed cold and they are currently fighting for their lives i think that's a pretty fair statement to make they have a series (laughs) they have a series this week with fargo moorhead and both teams are at the bottom of the standings board here. I believe Fargo has four wins. Chicago had three wins entering that series. Last night was just a, an entire route, really, is the best way of putting it. I believe it wound up being 14-1 to 1, a Fargo victory there. And uh, it's been it's been basically the same story as from last week. Chicago's bats stay cold. Everyone's below 260, unless your name is Edwin Arroyo, uh, Landendorf, or Michael Krauss. 
everyone yeah. else is just isn't hitting. Uh, Landorf has picked it up. Uh, he wasn't batting terribly well. He was really more just power last week, but now he's batting around 300, I believe. And Kraus in the same boat there. I believe he's about 286. So he's getting on base. He's stolen like seven bases now too. So when he gets on, he turns singles into doubles essentially. But even still, there's only so much work you can really do there. Likewise, their bullpen's been struggling. Choplick and Goosen Brown have been the lone two guys that really keep the bullpen afloat here. And now Goosen Brown's on the inactive list for uh, retroactive to, I believe, the 13th, too. So that's uh, not a good sign of things to come for Chicagoland there. Not a good sign. I mean, you know, they they came to life a little bit against the Canaries on on the 16th, right? I mean, they scored 14 runs. uh, So if they came to life a little bit, but they still lost, right? You score 14 runs and you lose. Mm, Not great. The the dogs are are treading water. Let's put it that way. We'll talk about that. I suppose we should talk about that Canary game right now. Uh, I know we were out. We were doing stuff for most of the day, and I came back, and then I kind of tuned it on or turned it on, tuned in right around the seventh inning. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a real barn burner of a game. And so... I kept watching it and watching it, and then uh, one thing led to another, and we wound up going to 12 innings. And realistically, I know I was almost live-tweeting a little bit, uh, too, on our Twitter, at IndieBallPod, that I was like, if you are not, if you don't believe that there's fans for these teams in IndieBall, right now you, you don't know what you're talking about. It's one in the morning, and people around the U.S., there's dozens, if not hundreds of people, all tuned in watching this game right now. And it, it really was a good game. Chicago had multiple chances to end that game in extra innings, but no runs could come across. And then Mike Hart, he made one of the best catches this year on the warning track. It was like a, you can go back and watch it on AA Baseball TV, but you he's like falling down and he just kind of stabs at the ball to make one desperate attempt to catch it. And as he's falling down on the track, reaches out, grabs it, and manages to preserve the tie and force the 12th inning. That's an end in the 11th. And then at that point, it was like, okay, they weren't able to push across any runs. Sioux Falls hasn't gotten much going in extras. And as soon as that base hit came in the top of the 12th, I was like, okay, now it's done. It's done now. And then sure enough, some runs come across the plate. Sioux Falls closes it out, or well, Keaton Steele closes it out, and then yep. Chicago is left with a five-hour and five-minute-long loss, which really is a demoralizing loss if you get down to it. Oh yeah, I mean that is just there is nothing worse than that. That you know, game you go all the way, and then I mean, like that was the thing I was going to be very curious to see coming into yesterday's game, Friday night's game, was how are they going to respond to that? Because this is the kind of game that tests your team. I know it's still very early in the season, even though we're about a fifth of the way done, as hard as yeah. to believe as it is. But a fifth of the way done, you lose a 12-inning, five-hour-long game where you battled back and forth. You blew a lead, and you got the lead back. Then you blew another lead, and then you managed to tie it up. You sent it to extra innings. You're getting something going. And then you just kind of fall apart at the end there and then the wheels fall off the bus. It's really, that's the kind of loss where you look back on and you go, it hurts. It hurts a lot. Yeah. And I'm going to be very curious to see if they can't recover today because as I'm about, as I'm sure we're about to get into, you know, Fargo, Moorhead, they're now at five wins. Chicago stuck at three wins. And I can only imagine that whoever wins the series is going to keep their 
all their playoff hope alive. I feel like yep. if Chicago doesn't walk walk out of here with at least five wins, then they're done. Likewise, yeah. though, Fargo's looked very good, and a sweep puts them right into the thick of things and essentially knocks Chicago out. Because I mean, what would they be at that point? About three and eight. Yeah, they're three and ten. Yep, that would be. Yeah, that would be a disastrous start. We'll put it that way. Exactly, because <laughs> I I have to imagine that five hundred isn't going to be enough to make the postseason. I no. I feel like you got to be at least two games above five hundred to have a real shot at this. And with the way other teams are looking right now, it may even be higher than that. So you're at the off the bat, you'd be about what seven games away from just being five hundred. Yep. And then you'd still be however many back of Sioux Falls and in Milwaukee and whomever else may be challenging Milwaukee as well. So it really is a make or break series in my mind for Chicago. I agree. Yep. I agree with that. I mean, I think it would be almost impossible for Chicago to regain any ground if they're if they lose this if they get if they lose both games coming up here, it would be really difficult for them. The rally pickle can't even save them to be quite honest. I mean, there's just so much ground that would have to be made up in such a short amount of time. Oh, I don't know. You may be under underselling the rally pickle there a little bit. No, I'm just rally yeah, pick- no, seriously. <laughs> yeah, the rally pickle wasn't enough last night, so it was, it's not going to be enough to get to make up like a seven ten game difference. So Chicago really needs this series uh, right now. They need some guys to wake up. They need Tertuslav to start performing more consistently. Casey Hobson needs to step up a level. Uh, there's a handful of other guys that really need to start helping out. Uh, around the lineup. Victor Roach is another guy who's underachieved at this point. I mean, Landorf and Krauss are holding their own. Arroyo's been, you know, stealing the show. And to be quite honest here, uh, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to be in talks for player of the year in my mind. But even still, the best player on a bad team can't do that much. You still need eight of the guys to hit and he can only field one position and he's not a pitcher. So, He's rather limited in what he can do, so it'll be interesting to see if Chicago can turn that around. I agree with that, and it'll be really interesting to see if they can do that, and hopefully they can. I mean, if they can turn it around, then good for them, but if not, it's going to be hard to catch the you know, the milkman, it's going to be hard to catch the canaries, it's going to be hard to catch a lot of those uh, different player, uh, different teams at this point. I really do think it'll be hard to catch them. Yeah, and uh, on the flip side of that series, Fargo-Moorhead, they're not in that much better of a position, but they are... I will say, when I watch them, even in their losses, they don't look terrible. Pena's terrific at third base. He's really a terrific fielder, and that has saved them sometimes here. But really, I look at them and I go, where you struggle the most is pitching. Only uh, Braden Hakens and Brett Helton are with ERAs below a four, which wouldn't be terrible if you had more offense, but they don't have enough offense there. Now, Hagen strikes out a lot of guys, and Helton's not bad out of the pen, but at the same time, they don't get the best starts, and then things start to go downhill quickly with them. They seem to spiral, and that's something that needs to be kind of cut out. Flip side, though, Corel Prime, Trey Hare, and Dario Pisano are leading the way offensively. Trey Hare's been just terrific, and Prime and Pisano do what you expect them to do, too. So yeah. so they are producing, but they do need to step up from a pitching perspective. Uh, they need to get better there. If they can just control the runs against, I mean, they did a good job last night against Chicago, but like we just said, that's not exactly the most impressive feat in the world. So it'll be very interesting to see if they can kind of keep up the bats and then level off on uh, the pitching and try to find a 
find more consistency there, I think. Yeah, find a balance there. And they really do try, they need to get the pitching going a little bit. Obviously, uh, you know, they're they're getting there hitting-wise. Trey Hare, like you said, really playing well and other guys really stepping up. But if you don't have the pitching going, you can really be in for a tough time there. Exactly. And I mean, with that, there's not much else to really say there, except for, I will say, I do enjoy their broadcast the most. (laughs) <laughs> I really, I like Jack Michaels. I, he's really good at calling a game. It's very conversational. And even though they're not the best team, and sometimes just, uh, there's honestly got better matchups sometimes, I still tune into the Fargo game just because I like listen to, listening to him call a game. Really is And nice. I think that's really an important thing there. I mean, right? You, you're dealing with, uh, you know... Uh, you know, this part of it is uh, the broadcast is now a big part of it for the American Association because, in t- you know, baseball is all, in the major league form is only getting started. And, you know, these other little little uh, leagues don't really have a whole lot of streaming going on for the most part. The style is what the broadcasting style is. And, and really, I think that's adding something to to the performance of selling more subscriptions to the American Association app and, and online website and all that stuff. And so if they're going to do that, they have to have really good broadcasters. And to me, it seems like if, you know, Farco Moorhead has one guy, I would rather listen to someone who's a, a better, you know, it's just a, maybe a better overall quality to the broadcast. Cause I want to, you know, my, I spent whatever, $20 for the, the, the yearly subscription. I want to get my 20 bucks out of it. Right. I mean, you yeah. Get, if you're, if you're spending the 20, yeah. If you're spending the 20 bucks, then you're going to want to get your enjoyment out of it. And most people, they're not tuning in to watch the most competitive games are just watching, you know, what's the most entertaining experience. And you're obviously going to go with the guy who's the, uh, the better broadcaster there. That broadcast presentation means a lot. And so far, Fargo Moore has put up the best broadcast overall. I know some people have had issues with uh, other sites streaming and whatnot, but yeah, no, it, it is an important aspect of it. But uh, uh, moving on to the next team that's on the dock is actually uh, Fargo Moorhead's roommate in Winnipeg who we were very high on coming out of the gate. The last two weeks, we've been really, really high on them. And now, it would it would appear as though they are struggling. They're about 500. Yep. They're not exactly 500 at this point. I will say, their issues seem to just be coming from pitching. Again, it goes back to pitching. As far as batting goes, 7 of the 11 regulars in that lineup are batting 280 or higher. They can get guys on base. They're clearly scoring runs. They're doing you know, a good job at that so far, but they've gotten some really poor starts. Mitch Lampson blew up in his most recent start. Uh, Duncan, his middle start wasn't very good. Uh, McGovern, again, another guy who's normally very reliable, very steady. He doesn't do that. He kind of blows up. He doesn't have the best starts and he struggled a bit there. Flip side though, they do have some better pitchers. Like they have Hilton, who's going to the mound today. He has a 1.80 ERA. Solid ERA there, especially from a starter. Kent Hasler yep. has yet to allow an earned run coming out of the bullpen, so that's pretty solid there too. Obviously, their their uh, closer Kaplan, he's doing a very good job as well. He's actually now tied for second all time in saves in the American Association. I believe he has an outside chance of taking over first place this year too. I want to say he's like 15 back of that, so it'll be a little bit of a of a rush to get there, but who knows, maybe he'll get there uh, this year. And then there's also Gorman, who's been kind of splitting time as a reliever and a starter who hasn't been bad either. It's, it's been an up-and-down pace there. I mean, guys are hitting, but it doesn't do you any good if you score 12 runs, but you lose 13-12. to 12. 
yeah, I mean, it doesn't do it doesn't do you any good. And I mean, they really got to figure that out. I mean, they got to figure out the pitching. And if they're able to do so, then you know, then they'll be in a much better place. Uh, you know, we were very high on. We were both very, very high on. Them. Um, and it's just a matter of making sure that um, that that it, it's a matter of making sure that they can go in and really do what we expected them to do. If they can't do that, I think we'll have a you know I think we're going to see uh, a little little bit of a difference than we thought we were going to see from them. Really, I thought we you know we we both especially in the preview we were hyping up their pitching in particular, and they have not come through quite in the ways that I, at least I thought that they would have. Obviously it's early, but like you said, fifth of the season is already done. You know, it's, it's really time for them to turn it on. And, you know, we've seen two falls turn it on. We've seen Milwaukee be very good. We have not yet seen them turn it on quite in the same way. So I think, you know, obviously we're talking about the difference between eight and four for Milwaukee and six and six for Winnipeg, but in a game, in a, in a season that is so, uh, you know, pared down, it's going to be a problem if they keep, you know, playing 500 baseball. Yeah, it's it's going to become an issue here. And like I said, they need to start getting rag on the right track. And I mean, like you said, one of the things we praised heavily was their pitching ability. I was saying, look, they got Mundell, they got Harris. These are two guys from the Can-Am that pitch very well. They should be able to kind of transfer over, if not as starters, certainly as bullpen hands, and both of them aren't there. Then they released Maza, who was another guy I thought would be, you know, a key piece to that team. And it seems like they just started cutting a lot of uh, assets there, and now the pitching is struggling. And, I mean, obviously the batting's going to keep you afloat for, a certain length of time and last week I was going on saying look Winnipeg and uh, St. Paul that's almost a must-win series there because it's going to kind of determine who takes over that lead dog spot and I more or less meant it for St. Paul but if they would have gotten swept then it could have easily killed the season there as well but instead St. Paul comes out they went two of three they look very good doing it. They've launched themselves into a nice position, and Winnipeg's kind of left spinning their tires. Now, of course, uh, batting-wise, you know, uh, they're still obviously going, as I've been going on about, but like I said, that's only half of the game, and if they can't get the pitching under control, they're going to continue to lose games. And when you start to play better teams, like uh, the series that we're going to see this weekend with them and uh, Sioux Falls, you're going to start to really get exposed. So this whole this doubleheader today, and then the afternoon matinee uh, tomorrow is really going to be the deciding factor, I think, for Winnipeg as to whether or not they should really be taken seriously or not. Because I, Sioux I Falls is really establishing themselves in, as a dominant team. Yep, I agree. And, and you know, and then you know, we definitely just can't. You know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to harp on it too much, but we, you know, we definitely cannot forget Milwaukee. I mean, they are. Uh, they have been playing just as well as anybody else here, and so it's. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see if they're able to uh, sustain that as well. Absolutely. Uh, well, we're going to get to Milwaukee in just one second, but I do want to touch on St. Paul really quickly here too. They had a good week when they, you know, did what we said they just did to Winnipeg, and yeah. they've also been batting very well. In fact, everyone except for Max Murphy, Connor Justice, and Nate Sampson, which, to be fair to Sampson, he's only played about three or four games so far for St. Paul. Everyone except for those three is batting are batting above two seventy. So they're yep. batting extremely well, too. Uh, I believe they have a team batting average of about 310, 315, right in that ballpark. And they even have some guys that are batting over 400, like uh, Chesney Young, uh, Mikey Randall, Sebastian Zawada, uh, Gelfi as well. 
they're they're getting the batting there. I was listening to actually their game last night, and the broadcast was saying, "Oh, they're the second best pitching team in the league." And I'm not entirely sure if that's true or not, but they have a team ARA of just under five. So if it is, it's still not great pitching. In fact, I look at it as Jamison McCrane is your best arm out of the bullpen, and then Soltar and Zimmerman as well. They're pretty good starters. I know Devine had a very good night last night. I believe he struck out 10, and he only allowed the one run. So he had a very good uh, start, really his first solid start in a long time. And I guess that does work towards them being one of the better pitching teams. But so far, their pitching has been middling at best in my mind. And uh, they did have a bit of a rough start, too. They had six games against uh, Sioux Falls so far, so that definitely goes against you. Winnipeg, yep. while we said they have had their struggles, that's certainly not the easiest series in the world. And you have to think if Mitch Lampson just doesn't have a god-awful fourth inning, maybe that game turns out a bit differently as well. And so they've have, they definitely have had a tough schedule to this point. This week they do have Milwaukee, which is a very interesting series to watch. And it is very be very interesting to see how the rest of that series turns out. Yeah, absolutely. It'll tell us a little bit about each team, right? I mean, we're going to know if Milwaukee is going to is for real, um, and we're also going to find out if St. Paul is for real. I mean, if St. Paul could go in there and you know beat up on Milwaukee a little bit, at least take a couple of games, then they'll be in really good shape moving forward. Uh, if they you know aren't able to do that, I think you could see you know uh, St. Paul kind of slip a little bit, and Milwaukee maybe solidify themselves into that position. Yep, and with that, we'll move to Milwaukee, who has done very well. I will say their lamp's a little feast or famine. Either you're above 310 or you're under 250. But yeah. they've had some very good success, and Aaron Hill has just jumped way out in front. And in fact, he also had a Grand Slam. So he is now on our Denny's Grand Slam leaderboard. He's up there now with <laughs> Edwin Arroyo, who hit his about a week ago. And now, uh, actually, Aaron Hill hit his a week ago today against St. Paul. So... You know, we have now two contenders for the crown there. And as I said, coming into this season, during the preview, Aaron Hill is one of the most underrated players in independent league baseball. And so far, that's been one dynamic infield in whole. They have Dylan Tice, they have Aaron Hill, they have Chase Simpson, all very good players. Logan Trowbridge has done a very good job uh, fitting into that lineup as well. And by and large... It's a very solid team every way you look at it. Zach Nahir's also been very good, too. Their bullpen's been very good, as well as their, really their pitching as a whole. They're the best pitching team in this league, with really only Bender, Baker, and Kuzmal not being great to this point here. And even Baker, he came out, he threw very well last night, had a very good start. Hartman yep. also started to uh, firmly tilt towards the good end, too, with three solid innings in relief. I know Kowalchuk, he gave up the one run that sent last night's game into extra innings, so not the best, but he's been very solid, and even still, he got out of a runner on second with no outs jammed to limit the damage to only one run, so that's obviously a huge plus in their favor there, and then guys like Miles Smith and, and the like have all been very solid out of that bullpen for them as a whole. It seems like my way, way back top 20 teams in independent league baseball they earned their number 20 spot it looks like and they've certainly jumped out in front uh, of this league and are making it very interesting to watch yeah it's very they're a very interesting team to watch um they've got you know some really really talented guys on there and 
the guy that really stood out to me so far uh, pitching-wise is David Holmberg. He's really pitched well the last couple outings he's had, obviously, against St. Paul, the loss, but he pitches well and against Fargo. I mean, he goes six and a third, only one earned run. You know, three three Ks, not as many as the nine he had against St. Paul, but really just overall a good outing. And you know, he's two two and one uh, with a two five four ERA. So I mean, that's that's pretty good to to start out the year. So I think if they keep getting efforts like that, they could be in good shape. You know, Holmberg was in contention for my pitcher of the week, which we'll get to that once we kind of wrap up the rest of our discussion on on these yeah. uh, teams. But, you know, no, he pitched very well. I will say he's also gotten some rather shaky defense behind him. Two earned runs, but I believe he has something like five or six runs in total against him, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had, he had four four runs in that uh in the loss to St. Paul against him. He only gave up one earned run. So, obviously, uh, a little bit of shaky defense going on there. Exactly. So, I mean, not the, not the best there. It's all in all, they're just a solid team. One guy I'm kind of surprised isn't producing as much is David Washington, just coming yeah. off of the season he had in the Atlantic League. I know he's starting to find his footing now, but I am a little bit surprised about that. Plus, uh, Adam Brett Walker is also very, very solid of a player. I do like him a lot as well. All in all, like I said, there really is no holes in the Milwaukee team. And I think it could you could very well see Milwaukee and Sioux Falls, a matchup that I believe slated for the last week in July. That could wind up being your matchup in September, who's going to be in your postseason there. Now, obviously, again, we're only 20% of the way down with the year. But even still, uh, it's poising or working out to be that way at the moment. Yep. And... I just think that, uh, you know, it's, it's very important that as we, as we move forward here, we see what happens. And, you know, some guys, maybe they get a little bit more comfortable. Some guys, maybe they don't get their footing as much. So we gotta, gotta see what happens. Yep. And so with that, we'll have to talk now about the cream de la creme of the American Association. Uh, the top team and the really undisputed top team, I believe now they are either eight and three or seven and four. They're around there, but they are certainly at yep. the top and they're, I believe, clear Milwaukee by a full game at this point. And. Yep game and a half, uh, half game. Half, oh yeah, because they got rained out last night. Uh, yep. yep. So they're still up by a half game and it's Sioux Falls. They've been very solid so far. Uh, 12 total home runs across the whole roster. Uh, guys like Ale Lago, Mike Hart, who we mentioned a little bit ago, uh, Dominic Tomshay, uh, your player of the week from last week, uh, Andrew Eel, or Eli, and Jabari Henry have all bit batted very well, both from a power perspective and just from getting on base. I mean, a 300 batting average for them. They they have a very strong bullpen too. Their starters not as much. Uh, time to touch and go with the with the starters as far as that's concerned. Ty Colbert has been very good though. Yep. Array of just over two and a quarter. He he was my guy where I was like, ah, oh, maybe he'll do something. He could be a Frank Duncan type thing. He's shaken mm-hmm. out to be that way so far. But all in all, their bullpen's been extremely good. Uh, Keaton Steele has been, been. Yep, Keaton Steele's been extremely solid. DJ Shabari has been very good. I believe it's Ryan Freeze or Ryan Fritz. Both mm-hmm. of those guys, uh, Freeze and Fritz, both have been very good as well too. So they're just a solid bullpen team. And so if you can get by with a bullpen by committee. You really just need four or five innings out of your starter. So as long as the game stays manageable, you're fine when it comes down to it. So they're they're getting by on that. And like I said, most of their starters are only going about four innings. But with a good bullpen, it doesn't matter that much. 
Right. I mean, they got a good bullpen. They've got, you know, starters who are getting the job done when they're in there. They really have been the team to beat. It's right from the start of the season. They've been kicking, and I really do think they're the team to beat, certainly at this point in the season, more so than Milwaukee. I mean, I think Milwaukee's good, but I also think that I have a little bit more faith in Sioux Falls, if that makes sense. I have a little bit more, um, mm. I don't know, I, I have a feeling about Sioux Falls. It's a little bit more solid at this point in the season than Milwaukee. doesn't mean Milwaukee could not wind up uh, being that best team or whatever. But I do think that it, at, at this point in time, I just think Sioux Falls has played uh, to a level that deserves that top spot, that top billing, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, they've been a dominant team and I mean the numbers speak for themselves they're certainly at top of the they're just at the top of the board at the moment and there's not really any sign that they're going to you know shake off of that I think the the series they have with Winnipeg is going to be very interesting though and kind of going into next week if they can keep up the pace a seven and three in their last 10 if they can keep doing that and they can keep performing it'll be very interesting to see and I don't think they really have a real major challenge until they hit Milwaukee at the end of the month. I think that's going to be a real series to watch uh, over yeah. the next few weeks to see how that kind of goes, how they respond to that kind of pushback, that kind of challenge, and even how Milwaukee goes to that. Either way, though, I think at the at least at the present moment, you have to pencil them in into the final as it stands today. I couldn't agree more with that. I really think it's all about, uh, you know, it's all about just who they are and as a team and just the way they're playing really gives me some confidence that they're going to continue there. Like you said, once they and the Milkman face off head to head, also the Winnipeg series, we'll tell you a little bit more about what's going on uh, in terms of are they for real. But if I, if you're asking me today with all the events that I have right now, I'm saying yes. Yeah, I have to agree there too. So with that, I suppose we'll go to our players of the week. Who do you have as your player and pitcher of the week? So I cheated last week and went with two position players, so I've been forced <laughs> forced Force. by, by yeah, I strong armed you into it. Strong armed by the higher ups to uh to to pick a pitcher and a position player. So uh you we've mentioned both of them. Uh the position player I'm gonna pick for this week is Trey Hare. Obviously a special place in my heart for Trey Hare because I've seen him play so much. Obviously Fargo Moorhead had a good week this week coming off of a not so good week last week. Uh so well at least a better week this week. And so I think that he was really a big part of that offensively. Obviously his overall numbers are great. 340, eight RBIs, uh four walks, a home run four doubles uh, and 17 hits in 50 at-bats. So, hey, you know what? That's pretty good to me, and I really think that he is playing quite well uh, and transitioning really well into his role as uh, on on Fargo-Moorhead. All right, and then your pitcher? And my pitcher of the week, I did mention him earlier, uh, it is David Holmberg, really a guy who I was very impressed with. You know, I watched one of his starts. It was the one against St. Paul. He actually eventually lost it. Lost that start, but he had nine strikeouts. He was blowing guys away. It was really impressive. Really somebody who I think is a top-tier pitcher in this league. And if he continues to pitch like he has been, it's going to make Milwaukee very dangerous, especially because his last start, which was he only gave up one run, he went six and a third. If he can continue to go six and a third and give up one run, I'll tell you what, look out to the rest of the American Association because he is for real if he can continue to do that. 
Yep, I thought about uh, I thought about Holmberg as well. Very solid this week. I'll start with my pitcher of the week to keep the train going. My pitcher of the week was Braden Hagens from Fargo Moorhead. Yep, uh, he had a very solid week. Uh, only the one start, but he went seven and two thirds innings, six hits, two runs, one earned, three walks, eleven Ks, and he finishes the week with a one point one seven ERA. Just about as good as you can ask for. He's really kind of stepped up. He's still striking guys out at a great pace. And at the end of the day, that's what he's known for. He's starting to get the runs under control. And when he's on the mound, he gives uh, Fargo a good chance to win regardless of who they're playing. So he has to be my guy of the week. Although Holmberg was very close. Just in the end, what kind of killed him for me was more hits allowed. Grand mornings played. But he also had more earned runs as well. More runs in just general. So that kind of killed him for me this week, although he was certainly a a close one. Uh, As far as player of the week goes, uh, there was a couple of names I kind of bounced around. Edwin Arroyo was certainly there. Uh, He came in, he was kind of the first guy of the three I cut off of that. Uh, While he did have a good week, so bad above 300, he just didn't have as good of a week as these other two guys. Uh, Aaron Hill was also up there. I mean, Grand Slam this week, and he's just been coming up in the clutch and consistently producing. So it was kind of hard to cut him, but then when I saw my actual player of the week, uh, the numbers just blew blew both Arroyo and Hill out of the water. And as uh, going into a bag of your tricks, taking a guy you named last week, it's Darnell Sweeney, who oh, yeah. really stepped up this week. Uh, he batted 464, six runs, 13 hits, three home runs, two walks, stole two bases, and he had six doubles. And only 28 at bats. Just a solid week all in all. And if you really want to get down to it, he had almost as many, actually, he had more extra base hits than he did just regular base hits. He got on to second or he crossed home plate more often than he just got to first. That is an extremely impressive week. It is. The whole season he has been raking. I wanted to pick him again, but felt like I couldn't pick the guy, the same guy twice. Yeah. But uh, And also I wanted to give some love to Trey here because he did have a good week. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with Sweeney. One bit picked him last week, would have picked him again this week had I not picked him last week. <laughs> yeah, he just he just had such a tremendous week. Uh, I, I had to acknowledge that. Even though Winnipeg didn't have the best week in the world, he certainly did. So, uh, there's oh, yeah. that. So, I guess uh, before we move on to just some kind of news and general housekeeping topics, what else do you have to say, if anything, about the upcoming week in the American Association? I think the upcoming week is going to show us a lot, right? I think we're going to get, we're going to learn a lot about Winnipeg. And we're going to learn a lot about if Chicago can continue to hang around. We're going to also learn a lot more about Fargo. Fargo has been, again, treading water, five and eight. They're not out of it yet. And they've got a big series coming up here. I mean, I think the, the question is, can they, can they continue to play well against Winnipeg? Or are they gonna, you know, have a little bit of trouble here against Winnipeg? And if, you know, and then it also tells us about Winnipeg. Is Winnipeg gonna be good, or is Winnipeg going to, you know, lose to Fargo Moorhead and, and not play as well? So I really do think that it's very interesting to see what will happen there. Obviously, again, not to jump too far ahead, uh, but Chicago. Um, so to go back to what I was talking about with Chicago, Chicago will play Fargo today, uh, which is the 18th. Obviously tomorrow, which is the nineteenth, uh, and they're gonna and that those 
next two games are going to tell us quite a bit as about both teams as well, particularly in regard to Chicago. Right, if if Fargo Moorhead loses, okay, they lose. You know, they still have five wins. If Chicago loses both of those games and they're three and ten, sorry, dogs fans, but they are done in my book. Absolutely, I agree with that. I think the winner of this series this weekend between Fargo and Chicago, uh, well, they keep their season alive. That's what they win. Uh, the loser of it, I don't see any way to really come back from it. Uh, now, granted, if Chicago does win the next two and they wind up, you know, leveling off at say five and ten or whatever their record is, five and eight, five and, yeah. five and eight. Okay, so they'd be five and eight. That doesn't take you totally out of it, but then you're really dependent on how Milwaukee fares against St. Paul. I mean, if Milwaukee does poorly against St. Paul, then all of a sudden now St. Paul's pulled significantly ahead of you. If Winnipeg winds up taking two of three from Sioux Falls, then again, you're kind of behind the eight ball still. They made up all the ground that you gained on them. So then it becomes a lot more interesting at the top of the board, though, because you have the top two teams to struggle more. So realistically, I'm just looking to see if we get any sort of separation between the front of the pack and the back of the pack. Because right now that middle section still could be very large. Winnipeg's firmly in the middle. St. Paul's firmly in the middle. And Fargo-Moorhead, with a good series against Chicago, could jump into that middle part. But it'll be very interesting to see if they do take that leap or not. So that's what I'm looking forward to this week. And uh, by this time next week, we'll be closing in, if not at a third of the way down with the season, which is hard to believe already. But uh, yeah, we're going to be at that point. That is crazy. Yep, it'll be interesting to see, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yep, absolutely. So with that, we're going to go to some Circuit League news. We have the latest and possibly the last of these major kind of mini leagues popping up, and that is the All-American Baseball Challenge. It will start play on the 23rd of July and will run through the 6th of September. The playoffs will be from the 10th of September through the 12th of September, and that's to determine your third place, second place, and first place teams. Uh, so well, how many games are going to get played? Well, 32 games, six teams, all games played on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and they will be posted at Skylands out in uh, Sussex County. Yogi Berra Stadium, over in Montclair State University. And then the last one is in Pomona, New York, at the Rockland Boulder Stadium. I believe that's Palisades Credit Union Park. So each stadium will host two teams. In Skylands, you will have the Skyland Cardinals. And their logo and branding is heavily driven from the old, uh, I believe it's New Jersey Cardinals logo. Yep. And then mm-hmm. you also have the Miners playing in that. In Yogi Berra, you have the Jackals and the Jersey Wise Guys. Not a huge fan of that name, but in Rockland, you have the New York Brave and you have the Rockland Boulders. However, it's important to note the Rockland Boulders are unaffiliated with the New York Boulders, despite sharing a name at some point in time there. That distinction was made very clear in all the releases, so feel necessary to make it clear there. That's the lay down of the land there. I know the Jackals have a tryout on Monday for their team and for the Wise Guy team, as well as on, well, yesterday, there was the Sussex County and the Cardinal tryout. I'm not necessarily sure when the Rockland one is. However, that information is available on their website and should be in our show notes. Uh, Thoughts on the mini uh, Tri-State Circuit League? I like it. Um, I don't like the Wise Guy's name either, but I do like the... uh... 
overall the idea i really like the branding right the cardinals thing was always hmm. cool when they did the cardinals night that was always cool i was glad i was very upset that i didn't get my hand on some new jersey cardinals merchandise when they did that so i'm you know hopeful that they may print some up now and that you know may or may not have been scouring their store and attempt to find something um but i do think that this is going to be good again it's more baseball being played especially because things have started to simmer down in New Jersey a little bit, you know, knock on wood, starting to get to a place where we can do things now and maybe we can do these things now. So I'm hopeful that um, we're in a, you know, a place with the COVID that we can really, you know, these leagues can be socially distant, uh, masks on, but everyone can enjoy a baseball game and, take their mask off to uh, eat a hot dog and drink a beer and uh, sit there and watch some, some good baseball. I mean, you know, the, <laughs> the Somerset, Somerset lost their first game to the uh, Blazers or whatever they're called. Yeah, um, the Blasters. The Blasters. Yeah, 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 yeah. lit up. Blasters, Blazers, whatever, all the same. Um, and, uh, you know, but I, I do, like I said, I think there is some some luster to some of this, right? The the what Rockland's, excuse me, what New York is doing with their stuff. That's I like that. And, uh, and you know, the Jackals thing I like a little bit. It would have made more sense to me if they would have just done a Sussex County and then New Jersey Jackals back and forth. That would have made more sense to me. But maybe uh, maybe they just wanted to keep cut down on travel, I guess. I mean, like, what would, well, see, all these teams, all six are going to play each other, going to travel around to each of these teams. So that's something to make note of there. But what I'm kind of surprised is that we didn't see, like, New Jersey, Sussex County, New York mixed with Somerset and Long Island. All all of those teams are fairly close together, and that's a five-team league, and you're all set to go there. I mean, even if you want to cut out Long Island, that's fine, too. Then you run a second team out of, say, Somerset and Sussex or Somerset and any of the other locations, really, and you'd be fine. You'd be at your six-team number, or even you could just run four teams at that point. You'd probably be just as good to have your three New Jersey teams and then your one New York team there that are all fairly close together. And arguably, it would have been just as easy to put together a team, and I'm pretty sure you could have gotten about the same quality you're going to have across the board for all of those teams there. I think it would have been a lot more a lot more interesting, I think, to have that going on. Plus, you would have had people behind already established brands, and it just would have been a bit more uh, well put together. But I do like it. I probably will go to at least one of these games. That gives you something yep. to do. As long as things keep trending downwards, you know, I'll feel a lot more comfortable with that. Now, whether or not I take my mask off while I'm there, I'm not sure. Plus... If I'm right, you're supposed to wear the mask all the time in public in New Jersey still. I believe we went back to that because we went from right, trading down to... Right, socially distance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I believe that that's what the deal is being that right. we went from... But it's only... But if you can socially distance, if you're more than six feet from people, I think you're allowed to take it off. That's my understanding. I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I'm not sure about that. I, I thought I heard that was just a blanket all the time, regardless of social distancing, wear the mask when you're in public. That was yeah, my, yeah. that was I how I read that, it. But perhaps that, that could be true. I, I don't know. All of it's so confusing in terms of what's coming out when and what you can do when. But yeah, I mean, I, I would I would wear the mask the whole time as a personal decision. But, you know, certainly up to people's own decisions there. Yep. I mean, like either way, I'm happy to have it. Like I'm happy to have baseball there. And it'll be something else that uh, be available for people to do. So, I yep. mean, like, and I'm also interested to see, let's see what players are on each of these rosters. I mean, we know there's going to be some 
former miners and former jackals and former boulders on these teams. So hopefully we get to some familiar faces and whatnot on these teams. Uh, I know I already have my cardinal gear, so hopefully they print more of that and uh, we can get more cardinal gear because that has a beautiful logo and beautiful design all the way around. It is. And yep. uh, hopefully, I just I'm excited to have uh, have some local baseball back again, and hopefully all goes well. And who knows, maybe we'll try and get uh, some of the people involved with the league on the show to discuss it a little bit, either next week or the week after. Hopefully we can make that happen. Uh, either way, though, I think we've said enough about the, the league, and we'll just go to some other more minor news and then wrap up the show for the week. The first of which is the Pacific Association. They will now play in 2020. You already kind of knew that. they. We went about a month and a half in between press releases, if not about two months. I think it was May they sent out their last month. But either way, it became pretty clear they weren't going to play. Supposedly, yep. all four teams will return in 2021. Who knows, though, with these kind of more... Uh, unstable leagues as it were but they say they're going to be back so they'll be back i guess <laughs> it's, uh, allegedly they'll be back you know obviously this is something everyone saw coming you know we'll see what happens but uh you know it doesn't doesn't necessarily uh doesn't necessarily bode well for them for the future i'll put it that way exactly so uh, we'll wait and we'll see on that uh, empire league we got an update from them they are going to begin play in september and they will have a showcase in Florida in August. Now, they will start playing immediately after that showcase in August, so presumably that will take place at the end of August, and then in the beginning of September, the baseball will begin to be played. I assume that is also in Florida and not in New York. Otherwise, you probably just hold the showcase in New York. So. Right. As far as I'm, as far as I know, uh, we're about a month away from the Empire League having their showcase and then starting a play. So good for them. That's more opportunities there, and they're gearing themselves towards trying to get guys onto like that last home stretch of American Association rosters, as well as getting guys on winter ball teams. That's their primary focus for this year. They've been somewhat successful in doing that so far. They have had successes. Hopefully they can continue to have more. It's always good to have some of these more, and really what they are is feeder leagues, uh, and they can continue to feed these guys into higher systems and then get them into affiliated ball and into major league baseball. It's a huge win yep. for them. So, yeah, it is a huge win, and I think that these feeder leagues are uh, phenomenal. And uh, I think that you know, obviously the the problem is with the Empire League. <laughs> what their plan was is that Florida was better, and then now Florida is actually worse than New York. So. Uh, <laughs> really uh, kind of threw a wrench in the plan there but we'll see what what happens we'll see hopefully i mean september we could be in a you know <laughs> a worse spot than we were now or we could be in a better spot who knows but uh you know certainly certainly take keep an eye on that go off without a hitch and they just continue to give guys opportunities and uh that's all you can really hope for here so Good luck to them. We get to the league that we thought was pretty much dead, but apparently isn't dead. Uh, the Western Association, the one that got announced way, way, way back in the beginning of the year. And then they said they were going to begin play in 2020, despite announcing a year, actually I think it was a year ago to today, or a year ago yesterday, that they were forming their league with the intention of playing in 2020. Then they only announced one team, that league. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, supposedly, they have several other teams complete branding that they're going to release over the next few months, and they intend to play in 2021. Wow. Now, I don't know what really is the big difference from, you know, a year ago to now, except for, oh, you have a few more teams. Great. It doesn't mean anything. Your intention doesn't mean anything until you take the field. 
We've seen and we've covered dozens of leagues that are supposedly going to start, and then they don't ever start. So until you actually take the field, I don't believe you're going to start. Now that said, I hope you start. I hope you, you're successful and you give guys opportunities, but who knows, it's, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, who knows? And it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a difficult difficult deal. And uh, I mean, I, I wish them the best of luck in creating this league. But uh, you know, it depends on what's going on with everything. Yeah, Ben. I mean, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe in the fall we'll try and reach out to them to try and get someone on to talk about this league. But uh, I'm not. I don't have the highest hopes for it at the moment. Realistically, I think their best bet is maybe trying to scoop up those Pacific Association teams, incorporate them into their league, and then maybe try and grab a couple of those uh, former Pioneer League locations, maybe tack on two or three of them, and maybe try and steal some of the better Pecos League teams as well. Maybe that can be the foundation of a starting league, but, uh, you know, who knows? We'll wait and see as to how that uh, whole league develops. Yep, we'll we'll wait and see and see what happens. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So then... Uh, last uh, last two things of note. Clipper Magazine, the home of the Barnstormers, was named the best indie ball team by by Ballpark Digest. Or not team, best ballpark uh, by Ballpark Digest. They had their annual bracket voting and the Clippers wound up on top of that one. So good for them. Clipper Stadium, top of the line there. And then we have... Very top of the line. Yep. And then we have our announcement... As for the uh, managers for the Bourbon Trail series, this is the one with the Lexington Legends and the uh, Florence Yalls, and then they brought back the Freedom moniker, and they're using the Latin Heritage Night uh, alter ego for the Legends. Yep. Managing the Yalls will be Brian White. We kind of figured that he's technically under contract still as their manager, so that was kind of a given. And then to manage the Florence Freedom, guy we had on the show, nice guy, friend of the show, Dennis Pelfrey. He'll be back to coach the Freedom. Good to see Dennis back in Florence. Well liked yep. over there. Oh, yeah. uh, that's the whole announcement there. That's all the extra news we have. It's probably tell I'm running out of steam. So we're going to wrap this one up this week. So we're going to go to our plugs and call it good on the week. Uh, on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can find us on Instagram at IndieBallReport and at IndieBallReportJames. You can find us on our website, all the content, videos, articles, show notes, podcasts, the whole nine on IndieBallReport.com. And you're going to want to head over to our YouTube channel, IndieBallReport Podcast on YouTube to check out our latest video, which is the review of AABaseball.tv. And I give you a breakdown as to what the service is about, what it looks like, how is it how good is it, and whether or not it's worth the purchase price of $20. You want to check that one out. It's not that long. It's only about six minutes or so. So it's a very good uh, little short watch. Absolutely, and it's going to be great. And I think that, uh, you know, we're going to really uh, get get a lot out of that. I think that review was really in-depth. It was really thorough. It was something that I enjoyed. I think that it really helps people gauge whether they want to spend the money. You know, I mean, it's, it's a decent chunk of change. I mean, 20 bucks is something that, especially in these times where it's economically not the easiest time for a lot of folks out there, it does give everybody a good overview of what's going on. So I definitely think it's something everybody should go check out. If you have not yet invested in the American Association uh, TV thing, if you are interested in it, go check it out. Yep, absolutely. So with that said, uh, do we have anything else left to add? Uh, nothing else left to add. Just I'll see you next week and uh, everyone stay safe and wear your mask. Yep, absolutely. Next week we're going to have a lot more baseball to discuss and we'll 
have a lot more clarity on everything in independent league baseball with new news and discussion topics to well discuss so i'll end this show as we end every show don't forget to play ball